Keith Allen here. Hey, I'm Al Morale, and we're the lead pastors of Purpose Place Church, and we are still doing church outdoors. Woo! Yeah, it's been so much fun. You know, kingdom light can be seen on you. People can see God's light on you, but kingdom anointing can be felt by people, and kingdom anointing is required to do the assignment that God has called you to do. You need his presence, and you need his help. So enjoy this message. Judges 16, 1, verse 1. Here we go. But I'm actually going to start at verse 4. I'm going to start at verse 4. So it says, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Everyone say Delilah. Does anybody know anybody named Delilah? You do? Praise God. Praise God. All right. Verse 5, and it says, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him and afflict him. Verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And verse 16, sorry, I know I just said 1 through 6, so, <laughs> oops. Verse 16, and it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite from, from, to God from my mother's womb. Going to verse 21, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Who's ever heard this story, read this story? Story, Samson, yes. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time today with you. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing. We thank you for your anointing. Can we just press in right now? Father, we thank you, Lord God. We are hungry today, Lord God. I pray for a hunger in this place in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would just uh, uh, just protect us today from distractions, distractions from the cars, distractions from the heat, distractions from our bellies, distractions from our minds, distractions from, from, you know, being tired. Lord, I thank you for an alertness that we would get the treasure that you have for us today that we can leave transformed doing the very thing that you've called us to do in your anointing and in your power. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. 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 So we're talking again about kingdom anointing. This is going to be kingdom anointing. You guys may be seated. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Jesus. I got to stand up the whole time. You can't stand up for two minutes. <laughs> You're anointed to do so. I'm going to stand on one leg. Uh, we're talking about kingdom anointing, part Two Kingdom anointing part two. So this is going to be powerful. This is going to be very powerful. So I want to get into this. Last week, I shared that Jesus did not come to an established a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. kingdom. A kingdom. And in this kingdom, Jesus is giving you and I access to his presence. Okay. And so I, I talked about last week, what would the world look like today? if the church, his people, were more passionate about his presence than anything else. I know it's a lot, I mean, Jesus, I mean, cars are going off too? All right. What would our lives look like today if we were more passionate, listen to me, 
What would our lives look like today if we were more passionate about the presence of God than anything else? Last week I talked about three different seasons that God wants to get us to because God ultimately wants us to be filled with his anointing. And so I talked about three different seasons. The first season is the poured out season. Everyone say poured out season. Poured out season. The poured out season is the most difficult, hardest season. A lot of people cannot go through this season and because they can't go through this season, they usually walk around the same mountain year after year. They're in the same season of their life year after year. They're getting older, but they're repeating the same lessons year after year because they're still in the poured out season. <laughs> Jesus, this is my poured out season. Look at Jesus, pour it out. Bless them, Father, wherever they got to go. Bless them. Bless the people that they're going to serve right now. All right. The poured out season. So let me tell you what happens in the poured out season. The poured out season is when God is trying to break away things that are in the middle between you and him. And many of us are not able to handle this because God will tell you to do something. He'll tell you to surrender something. He'll tell you to give something to him. He'll tell you to leave a certain relationship. He'll tell you to walk away from an addiction. He'll tell you to do something. But many of us, we walk away sad like the rich young ruler because it's just too much for us to handle. But we don't understand, just like the rich young ruler, that God is trying to get, we, we look at God and we look at him trying to get something from our hands. And so we're distracted by what the thing that God wants from our hands. And we're distracted and we don't see the very treasure that God is trying to put in our hands. We're distracted with the thing that God tells us to give to him. And we cannot see the treasure that he's trying to put back in our hands. And so... This is the season that if we can get through this season and surrender what we can surrender to him, we're going to step into the next season. And that season is the empty vessel season. Everyone say empty vessel season. Amen. The first season is the poured out season. Okay. If you can get to the poured out season, you step into the empty vessel season. The empty vessel season is when you've already surrendered everything to God. All right. You, you said, God, you know, I, I want you. Like, I've tried my own way. It didn't work out. Is anybody like, that's like that today? Yeah. I've tried my own way. It didn't work out. I've, I've done everything on my own. I've learned the hard way. I, I, I've, I've f fell into pride. I fell into this. I fell into that. God, I'm tired of it. God, I need you. This is the, the empty vessel season. But in the empty vessel season, you still haven't received the breakthrough that you're believing for. So in the empty vessel season, although you've surrendered everything to God, you still haven't seen the return yet. You still haven't seen the breakthrough yet. But if you can get through the empty vessel season, you're going to step into the next season. And that is the full vessel season. The full vessel season. Everyone say full vessel season. This is the season where God begins to fill you up with his anointing. And after God fills you up with his anointing, he begins to use you supernaturally. And after God begins to use you supernaturally, you empty yourself out again so that you can be filled again. And this happens over and over again. I had to empty myself out today before I came here. I said, God, I empty myself before you. I empty all my fears. I empty all my insecurities. I empty out all my pride. I empty out all my, everything, God. And so what happens is when you're walking in the full vessel, you empty yourself before him so he can fill you up again and again and again. And when you're in a full vessel season, it's a season where, where God begins to bless you. 
Okay? You start walking in his harvest. You start experiencing his abundance, but you're still humble before him, knowing that you're nothing without him. A full vessel season is when you're already walking in the breakthrough, but you still know that you are dependent on the Holy Spirit. That is the full vessel season. And God has begun, and God can use you over and over and over again. So this is God's plan to get us into this season of the full vessel season. He wants you to be a full vessel at your jobs. He wants you to be a full vessel where you live. He wants you to be a full vessel everywhere that you go. And this full vessel season is what we call today the kingdom anointing. The kingdom anointing. Who wants to walk and live in the kingdom anointing? Just like last week, we can write this down in your phones if you want to take notes. Kingdom anointing. The kingdom anointing is God's revealed presence that rests upon us. It's his revealed presence. I can walk anywhere and go anywhere and people see presence on me. I've been blessed to do this thing at my job. We're doing a weekly show called Your Motivation Show. And what they call it, the people behind the cameras and the producers, they say, hey, Keith Allen, can you do the magic again? <laughs> the magic? They say, yeah, you know, when you get into it and you're like, they're explaining the anointing. I said, oh, you mean, oh, oh, I see, I see what you mean. They call it the magic. You see, the, the, the presence of God rests upon you. You don't have to convince people to believe in God. I, I, got, I got a chance to open up and share a little bit more and more on Friday, which was, was yesterday? Was yesterday? God, just yesterday. Just yesterday, I started to explain what word of knowledge was to people who don't know God. I, they said, how do you know, like, how do you know you're just sitting there and all of a sudden you know what people are going through? I said, that's called word of knowledge. So you see, I said, when I'm on camera, you don't know, but I'm praying underneath my breath the whole time. And because I'm praying underneath my breath the whole time, the Holy Spirit will show me exactly. I didn't say the Holy Spirit, but I said, God will show me exactly what they're going through. I said, man, it's, it's so humbling, man. It's all God. Let me tell you another thing about kingdom anointing. Kingdom anointing is when God adds his super to your natural to carry the assignments he's called you to do. Anybody have an assignment from God? God is not calling you to walk in your assignment on your own strength. He wants you to walk in his supernatural strength. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who... God wants you to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He wants you to have this anointing for everything that you do. Here's another thing about kingdom anointing. Kingdom anointing, and this is what we're going to really talk about today. It's God's supernatural strength that gives you the grace to do the things that other people can't do. Amen. Amen. Kingdom anointing is God's supernatural strength that he gives you the grace to do the things that other people can't do. And this anointing distinguishes you from the ordinary. So that when people see you, they don't just see you, they see Jesus. So I want to talk about Daniel real quick before we really get into this. Daniel, we know a lot of us, I, I, I see it was we, a lot of us, we, we know the Bible. So obviously Daniel has just transitioned into another kingdom. Daniel was exiled with the other Jewish people and they're, they're now in Babylon. And Babylon is another kingdom where they don't know God. Does any of us work or we're around places where people don't know God? Is that, is that happens? That happens, right? 
Daniel is at a place where they don't know God. But Daniel's boldness opens up the door for kingdom anointing. God is saying in the marketplace, in business, in the workplace, there's people that don't know God, but God is still telling you to be bold in his love. To be bold in his love. You don't have to throw the Bible at them. You don't have to be religious with them. But God wants you to pour out what's on the inside of you. And that anoint and that boldness is going to open up the door for his anointing on your life. Amen? Amen. So I want to go to Daniel 1.8. Alright man, listen. This is about to be some revelation. You guys ready for some revelations from the Lord today? Revelations, I'm telling you. I had a very, we had a very hard week. So I slept two days this week. So I know God is about to move. Daniel 1.8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. What's the name of our church? Say it again. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. Now, some of us know, a lot, most of us know that Daniel, but bless him, Jesus' name. That Daniel, I was about to just move on, and then that last horn, just I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, bless them wherever they're going. Bless the families in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that you would show up and show out. I pray for favor on them in the name of Jesus, and favor over this community in Jesus' mighty name. You have us here, right here, right next to them on purpose. This is not by accident. And so, Lord, we're going to intercede for them in Jesus' mighty name, that you would bless this station, that you would bless the community that they are serving in, in Jesus' mighty name. Can the church start affecting culture? Can the church start affecting the community? Can we start as people, stop being hidden behind the walls and be out here in the open, moving in the power that God has given us? Can we do that? This is why we're here. This is why we're here. So Daniel is working for the king of Babylon, or, or they're trying to prepare Daniel and his boys to work for the king of Babylon, right? And so they, the king wants them to eat a certain way. But Daniel feels in his spirit that he can't do that. The king's food in this story represent things in the world that are pleasing to your flesh, but they're they're, they're, they, they contaminate your spirit. I'm going to say it again. The food represents things in the world that feel really, really good to your flesh, but they contaminate your spirit. You see, there are things that we go... I'm about to be real now. There's things that we go to when we're stressed. There are things that we fall into when we're unsatisfied. And although it feels really good in the moment, these assignments come to steal your anointing. So Daniel purposely, intentionally says, I will not defile myself. Purposely. He didn't just wake up and say, well, we're going to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens once I start this job. I'm going to see what happens once I get on set. I'm going to see what happens once I go to that girl's house. I'm going to see what happens. You know, he purposed in his heart. This is my first point. When you walk in purpose, your kingdom anointing is protected. I'm going to say it again. When you walk in purpose, your kingdom anointing is protected. You see, when you're not walking in purpose, you're confused. 
You're complacent. You're fearful. You're anxious. You're unfulfilled. You, th th this is what's happening when you're not in purpose. And when you're not in purpose, you're very easy to be enticed. You're very easy to be enticed. So purpose, let me tell you why God wants you to get in his purpose. Because purpose doesn't just protect you. Purpose protects your anointing. And God is saying in this season, I need you to step back in my purpose. I need you to step back in my plans. I need you to step back in my will so that you can experience an anointing that you've never experienced before. So Daniel, I'm gonna keep going. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the, verse 11, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah and Mishael, he says, look, he says, please test your servants for 10 days. We, we know this story. Everyone say 10 days. 10 days. Ten days. How many days? Ten. For 10 days, he said, we're not gonna eat that food. Although it feels really, really good to my flesh, I don't wanna do it. And we're gonna do this for 10 days. Their testing got out. For 10 days, we're going to resist what feels really, really good. So they did it for 10 days. So they, they agreed to 10 days. Their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. So their anointing, I'm getting somewhere, guys. Their anointing was based on what they were consuming. The anointing that separated Daniel and everyone else was based upon what, was, what they were allowing in their spirit. I want to ask you this. What are you consuming? What are you allowing in your spirit? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Because this is my next point. Because what you allow in your spirit determines the level of anointing you're going to operate in. you allow in your spirit will determine the level of anointing that you're going to operate in. Is your spiritual diet increasing your anointing or is your spiritual diet decreasing your anointing? Verse 17, it says, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. That's kingdom knowledge. Gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So this is, the, this is the anointing. So this is what happens. So when they resisted the worldly lust, God promotes them in their anointing. Every single time we say no to the things in our life that feels really, really good to our flesh, but we know it's there to contaminate our spirit, God will always promote you in his anointing. He will always increase his presence in your life. But it starts with purpose. <laughs> when you're not in purpose, there is no protection. So this is what happens. It says that, I'm going to read this, verse 20. It says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding, about which the king examined them, he found them to be ten times better. Now, I've heard this before, but I just want to, my goodness. Ten times better. Everyone say ten times better. Ten times better. I was wrestling with this because they only fasted for ten days. They fast for ten days and God makes them ten times better than everyone else in the empire. 
Every day they fasted represented a multiplication. You see, they only fasted for 10 days. That's addition. They sowed... Uh, excuse me. <laughs> they sowed... See, I'm sorry, I'm, I did a wedding yesterday. They sowed... This is Revelation. They sowed in addition, but God responded with spiritual multiplication. Every single time you say no to the things of the world, every single time you, you're in a situation and you know, you know in your spirit that you do, you, you do not need to be looking at that. You, you don't need to be talking about that. You don't need to be near that. Every single time you're in a situation, you feel this fight against your flesh and you feel this fight against your spirit. But you make the decision to say, God, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to resist the, the food of the world. I'm going to resist the delicacies of the king. And, and I choose you. Every single time you do that, you always step into a spiritual multiplication. God always will multiply his anointing. God will always multiply his spirit. And this is what I prophesy right now. And this is what's going down in this time. And this is probably why there's so many distractions. Because the devil don't want you to hear this. We're stepping into a season like never before on the earth where God is multiplying his anointing. I see Claudia receiving it. I don't know who else wants to receive this, but you can have this one. <laughs> We're stepping into a season right now where God is bringing multiplication in his presence. We're stepping into a season right now. I'm talking about right now where God is bringing multiplication in his glory. Amen. You have to understand that the darker it gets, that only means the more lighter it is going to get. So the darker the world gets, the more multiplication God is bringing in his glory. So that's the evidence. If you think the world has gotten darker, then God has already provided more light. But he's looking for people who are going to be empty before him. You see, the church needs to wake up. We have been doing this for so long. Even when I opened up about the story of Daniel, I already felt it. Like I already heard this one. I heard this one already. I already heard the story of Samson. Like, I already felt it. I felt it even when I opened up. I, I literally felt like, ah, what am I going to get out of this? And God is saying, I need my people to wake up now. To be alert now. Because we're full. We're full when we're supposed to be empty. And God cannot, he cannot fill a full vessel. He can only fill an empty vessel. These are the last days. And Joel, the prophet Joel, prophesied about the times that we were stepping in today. And it was uttered again in Acts 2.17. I'm telling you, multiplication in the spirit is coming now. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this scripture starts off saying, in the last days. What days are we living in? You can say it a little louder. This, he's talking about right now. <laughs> he's talking about right now. This is what he says. He says, I will pour out my spirit. Now I want you to read this. If you can, you go to Acts 2.17. This is very important because we're so religious that we only think he's talking about believers. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on believers. I will pour out my spirit on those who go to church. 
I will pour out my spirit on people who just call themselves Christian. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this is how this scripture comes to pass. The overflow that's in us overflows on all people. The only way for this scripture to be fulfilled is if his people step into positions to be filled up with his presence. Because when you're filled up with his presence, his presence overflows on you, on everyone you come in contact with. So he's saying in these days, I'm raising up people who are so anointed. I'm raising up people who are not religious. I'm raising up people who walk in my presence, who walk in my glory, that everywhere they go, it pours up out of them on all people. And this is what God is doing. I'm about to get a little deeper. Can I get a little more deeper? <laughs> I want to get a little deeper. I want to talk about something that God introduced to me this week. And personally, I've never, I've never heard teaching on this. I'm sure there is teaching on it. I just haven't heard of it, but I'm sure there is. But I want to talk about something called stewardship of his presence. We've heard stewardship over money. We've heard stewardship over time. How to be a good steward, how to be a good manager, right? We, 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 we've been taught that, we know about that, but many of us don't understand the revelation of being a steward over the presence of God. And this is why the church is so dry today, because we have mismanaged the presence of God. When I first came to Jesus, when I first came to Jesus, I really, really struggled with grace. That, that, that was like my first season with God when I was walking with him with everything. I was like, God, I'm going after you with all of my heart. And I was in this season where I felt like I wasn't good enough to receive his love. So I had to do more. I had to pray more. I had to read more. And one day, the Lord visited me as I was trying to read the Bible before I went to work. And he said, son, I am not your boss. He said, you're not supposed to just clock in and clock out. He said, you don't work for me, son. You're not my employee. Because that's what I was doing. I was clocking in with Jesus, and I was clocking out with Jesus, and the rest of my day, I did what I did. And he said, no, I, I want, I'm with you always. I'm with you all day. It's not a ritual. It's not a work thing that you do. There, there were seasons where God was like, this may sound sacrilegious, but he said, I don't want you to read the Bible. I don't, I, he, literally, God was like, I don't want you to read the Bible. Just walk with me. Talk with me. Like God wanted to be so real to me. He wanted to make it so personal with me that I, that I would, he just, he wanted to rip away every tradition, every religious thing, because he said, I'm not a religion. I am your father. Amen. And so during this time, when I started to grow in this relationship with God, I got to the point where I knew that I knew that he loved me. And that was game over. Like, I knew that I knew that he loved me. I knew that he loved me my best on my worst day and on, on, on my best day. I remember I had an event at uh, our old church in his presence at Woodland Hills, uh, the place where I really, really started getting on fire for God, and Marlon and I met again there. But I remember that I blew it really, really bad. I blew it so bad, guys. And I had an event that I, that I had to host at the church that night. I was like, oh my goodness, God. I knew that he would use me, but I was so, I was so nervous because I, I felt so bad that I, I knew he wasn't going to use me. And so I went and I remember this man of God came up to me 
and he said, I, we started talking, and then he said to me, he said, I want to let you know that you are hidden in Jesus. He said, what I mean is, is that when people see you, it doesn't matter what you've done, they see Jesus. He said, so I want you to go up there and go up there and know that you are hidden in Jesus. Know that he is wrapped around you. That people can't see the flaws, but that people see Jesus. And I started to learn about his grace, and it was so amazing. So after I started learning about his grace, this is when I graduated from that point. And I graduated to the point where God began to show me I was married to him. This is where I'm going at. He began to show me that I was married with him. It was no longer about if I messed up, if I, you know, how much can I get away with and you still love, you know, and you still gonna bless me. Like, I was away from all that stuff. It was done. God loved me. It was settled. And now I was in a marriage with him. And God began to show me in this season of my life, in this marriage, the importance of his presence. He began to show me the importance of intimacy. I'll tell you like this. When I got married to Moral, I learned very, very early that I needed to provide an atmosphere that was going to guard her heart. If I provided an atmosphere that was going to guard her heart, I learned she would open up more and more. Her presence would come out more and more when I made it a safe place. When I wouldn't judge her, when I wouldn't make fun of her, she would open up more and more. This is what I'm saying today. If you can take anything away from today, because we've got a lot more. Well, a little bit. Um, <laughs> guess not. This is what I'm saying today. I want you to look at God's presence like a marriage. I'm going to say it again. I want you to look at God's presence like a marriage. You see, God forgives you. He loves you. His grace, he, he, he paid it all for you, right? But the more he trusts you, the more he reveals his presence to you. This brings me to my next point. Because we've learned so much about grace. We've heard so much about grace. You see, grace is free. It doesn't cost a thing. He died for you, and that's it. He redeemed you, that's it. But his presence comes with a price. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to prove it. His grace is free. Listen, you could do all type of stuff. God will forgive you. But his presence comes with a price. I can't just do whatever I want and expect the presence of God to be on me the same way it was before I did it. His presence comes with a price. I want to show you real quick with David. We talked about it last week. I want you to go, talking about stewardship of his presence. Go to Psalm 5111. David just commits adultery, and I understand this is pre-Jesus. But this is very important because David had a presence on his life that was very, very amazing. It says in Psalm 5111, David says, do not cast me away from your presence. He says, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The reason why David is praying this prayer is because something happened. The presence of God shifted in his life. Because when David cheated on God, I'm sorry, when David cheated on his wife, he also cheated on God. Let me tell you when you're going to start walking in the fullness of his anointing. When you understand that you are married first to him. That's when you're, begin, you're, that's when you're going to move in the fullness of his anointing. Here's my next point. When we honor God's presence, he releases more of it. When we honor his presence in our life, he releases more of it. When we dishonor God's presence, he withholds more of it. And that's why there's many churches that are churches that have no presence in the church. 
no anointing in the church. It's because they did not honor the presence of God. Does God love them? Of course. Does his grace cover their weaknesses? Of course. But, but as he trusts us more, he reveals more of who he is. He will never withhold his love, but he will withhold his presence. Look at this, James 4, 8. You gotta go there, I could just say it. He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Now, what does that mean? He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. This is not talking about love. This is not saying if you draw near to God, God's gonna love you more. No, this is talking about as I draw near to God, God will release more of his presence to you. You guys get that, James 4, 8? If you draw closer to God, if you seek God, God will reveal more of his presence to you. Stewardship of his presence. Thank you, Lord. So the church has been excelling in grace. We've been excelling in grace, but we've been losing in the area of his presence. Being a steward of God's presence does not mean you're perfect. Being a steward of God's presence does not mean you don't have issues. Being a steward of God's presence simply means you're aware of his presence in your life. And as you are aware of his presence in your life, you protect his presence in your life. There's an obedience that you have with his presence. And as you're obedient with his presence, you start getting more of his presence. He starts giving you more. He starts, he starts bringing multiplication in the spirit on your behalf. You see, people wanted to be like Jesus. But Jesus said, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Because this comes with a price. I'll, Jesus, can we, can we be on your right hand and left hand in heaven? Jesus was like, are you going to drink the cup that I drink? <laughs> like, my grace is free, but my presence comes with a price. And people look at people moving in certain power and moving in a certain anointing. They don't understand that the price that they have to pay to get there. They don't understand the sacrifice. They don't understand the obedience to get there. It comes with a price. His presence comes with a price. I want to look at Jesus real quick. We're going to close in a couple minutes. I'm drenched. How you guys doing? I want to show you this about Jesus. This, look. I want to show you this. I may close with this and just, we'll, do, we'll just start with the thing next week because it's hot and I'm trying to survive. <laughs> Luke 2.52. And it says, and Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. If Jesus increased... That means there was something that had to happen for the increase to come forth. Jesus didn't arrive at 12 doing miracles. Jesus had to be a steward over the presence of God. Just like we have to be a steward of the presence of God. Let me tell you this. They were, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. The first Adam, okay, was allotted the presence of God, him and Eve. But they mismanaged the presence of God. When they mismanaged the presence of God, did God hate them? No. Did God stop loving them? No. What happened to them? Because they mismanaged the presence of God, they lost the presence of God. They were kicked out of the garden because his presence comes with a price. So Jesus is the second Adam, and where the first Adam lost, Jesus prevailed. And so Jesus, at 12 years old, had to increase in stature. He had to increase in his anointing. He had to do this, guys. Look at this. We look at Jesus in the last three years, 
the, the last three years of his ministry. But we don't understand for 18 years, Jesus had to be a steward over the presence of God. When the father would tell him something, he, he had to obey. And every single time he would obey the father, he would increase in his stature. He would increase in his anointing. He would increase in favor. And so one day he would go through the season. You see, he went through the poured out season. Jesus then had to go through the empty vessel season. And then Jesus steps into the full vessel season. And this is what happens at the age of 30. All right, Luke 4, 18. So Jesus, this is 18 years later from that scripture. All right. And Jesus is walking. He's about to start something. Look at this. He comes into this temple and this is what he says. This is, he's repeating the prophet Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you guys to stand your feet. I'm going to end with this. This is what he says. Now, this, this is the part I want you to see. So he comes into this place out of nowhere, 18 years later, all right, he's 30, comes upon the scene, and he makes his declaration. And he says, this is the day. He says, he says I have been anointed. Now, this is what he does in verse 20. He closes the book. He gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down. And it says, all the eyes of all the people who are in the synagogue fixed their eyes on him. And this is what Jesus says. He began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled. He didn't say, when I was 12 years old, this scripture was, this, this scripture was fulfilled. When I was born in Bethlehem, this scripture was fulfilled. No, 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 no. He said, I have stewarded this anointing. I have stewarded the presence of God my entire life. And now I'm stepping into the fullness of his anointing to overflow on the world. And today is the day where this scripture has been fulfilled. Listen. God is, God, listen, God is, we're, we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God to go different places. We're waiting on God for certain breakthroughs. We're waiting on God to, to, to make our way in certain industries. And God is saying, I'm waiting on you to be filled with my presence. I'm waiting on you to be filled with my glory so you can overflow on, on the places where I'm sending you. God doesn't want to send you somewhere and you're not overflowing on people. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, look, it's time for our church. It's time for the people of God to take his presence a little bit more seriously. We've been too casual with the presence of God. And God is saying that my presence comes with a price. And this price is surrendering. This price is not perfection. This price is saying, God, I'm empty before you. Can we raise our hands to him? Yes. Father, we empty ourselves before you right now in the name of Jesus. I, we're tired, Lord. We're, the church, he doesn't want the church to be lukewarm anymore. Because as long as we're lukewarm, we have no influence. And if we have no influence, why would God put us in darkness? Because if, if we have no influence, he's going to put us in darkness and we're going to be influenced. 
He's saying if you're overflowing, I can put you in the darkness and then you're going to overflow in the darkness because I've called you to be my light in a dark place, not dark in a dark place. So, Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for a fresh renewal of your presence. Come on. Father, I thank you for a hunger. I don't care if we're sweating right now. Lord, I thank you for a hunger for you. Holy Spirit, that we would want to wake up earlier and just intercede for the, for the world, that, that we would just want to pray and be in your presence, Lord God. Whether we got to go to bed later, whether we got to set our alarm clock for four in the morning, Lord, I don't know. But, Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for a hunger like never before. In the name of Jesus, let's not fall asleep at the will right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Woo. And I'm sweating, but if you're watching this and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus, man, it's so easy. All you have to do is say, Lord, I invite you in my heart. Jesus is not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your dirt. He just wants you to surrender who you are to him. And he's going to do the rest. He just needs a vessel that's willing to be poured out to be empty, to be filled back up. In Jesus' name.